Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. What these young bloods have to understand, that this game has always been, and will always be, about buckets. Just attack the basket. Welcome to Buckets, brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. My name's Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, joined by Jim Turvey and Joe Delera, the future Jays, because this is your Sunday night for Monday morning, Monday best bets, and our weekly futures look with the future Jays here on Buckets. As a reminder, everything we talk about can be found in the award-winning Action Network app. You can find all sorts of cool ways to track your bets. You can find future plays. Uh, you can track down all of Stucky's Buffalo Bills futures that did not come through. You can track down everyone at Action Network that bet on the Bills to win the Super Bowl, which I don't think is going to come through as I sit here wearing a Travis Kelsey shirt. I don't think it's going to come through, but I'll have to check on that to see whether or not that comes through. And the uh, against they were playing a team that had, I was told, a soft-ass clown fraud run defense. And something weird happened with that game, but we'll find out. But we're going to talk about best bets on today's show. We're also going to do six man of the year on today's show. That's what we're going to do is we're going to do six man of the year. I have a bet that um, honestly, it's I'm going to take a, a Mia Culpa later for not getting this on the show sooner for you listeners. It was in the app, but I will talk about that. We have uh, J- Jim has one of those like he's really excited about it. So he doesn't even want to tell me what it is to get my reaction. We'll talk about six man of the year in what is a wide open market here on Buckets. Also a reminder, you can find all of our live shows on youtube.com slash the action network, youtube.com slash the action network. You can catch great shows uh, like the favorites live produced by one Matt Mitchell, who I am genuinely sorry for Matt. Like I am very, very sorry for all Bills fans this week. All Bills betters can suck my toe. But all bi- – now, I was one of them. But still, but still, uh, I am very sorry for Matt Mitchell. You can catch the favorite show there as well. I'm sorry. I'm very hyped because this is after uh, Sunday night's game where, like, a really good quarterback beat a running back. And it's just – it's very <laughs> exciting that, like, a really good quarterback was able to beat 
uh, a running back in his building. All right, let's get to best bets for the Monday slate. Okay, a little bit of a warning. This slate, I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm, I owe it to you to be honest. This slate sucks. We all kind of like yeah. universally agree. We're at the part of the year where the lines have gotten really sharp. We have a lot of noisy stuff. We have a lot of weird spots. And we're starting to creep into that time when I really get nervous betting because I don't know who's looking at All-Star, who's looking at getting traded. Everything's really wonky right now. And on top of that, I don't love the slate. Like, I just don't. It's it's a very tight slate. So we will begin with best bets. Jim Turvey, what are your best bets for Monday? Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, as such, I have a half derivative and a player prop. Um, not Nothing on the, the main spreads or totals, but I've got uh, Hornets and Wolves, first half under, and Paolo Bancaro under on his points prop if Franz Wagner plays. All right, Joe Delera, what are your best bets for Monday? We have Anthony Edwards over 26.5 points and Giannis Antetokounmpo over 2.5 turnovers. Okay. Uh, I have two plays on, on lines. And of course they are, I am taking the Philadelphia 76ers minus 13 and a half. And I am taking the Minnesota Timberwolves minus 15 and a half. I am laying a combined 29 <laughs> points here in this game in on this slate. So this will be fun to talk about. Uh, let's start because we have two on Charlotte, Minnesota. Jim, let's start there. Uh, you like Minnesota, Charlotte, first half under. Why do you like that? Yeah, so I've been talking recently, you know, in, either in the app or on Twitter or just kind of to people who are, you know, in betting circles I, I talk with. I, I, this is the time of the year that I do kind of like these quarter and half derivative markets. Um, you do start to see some some really nice patterns emerge with teams that are, you know, strong in a first half scoring wise or poor defensively in the first half. And it's a little stickier than early in the season when those there's a lot of noise. You still have to like double check and, and make sure that, you know, recent trends are, are on this because certain players are in or out. Um, but these are two teams that that really line up well for this first half under. So uh, Charlotte is 26 and 14 to the first half under this season. Uh, Minnesota is 25 and 17. Those are the first and third ranked teams to the under in the first half this season. Last 10 games, that still matches up. It's uh, eight and two for Minnesota, seven and three for Charlotte. Uh, also checks the box for Charlotte when they're on the road and Minnesota at home. So there's no line out for the half right now, but this game as a whole is taking a little bit money to the over. So definitely wait it out. Try and thread that needle if you're if you're going to be looking to bet this where the, the line has stopped moving up, but the f- first half as a whole has not been bet down yet. So you'll kind of want to, you know, put those notifications on. I'll be trying to thread that needle myself. Or if you're out there watching watching it, you can keep an eye on it. Um, but this this first half under with no number right now is a number that, you know, unless it's, you know, very strangely off of the the the, the game as a whole is going to be a, a look I'm going towards. Uh, yeah, I've got this projected slightly under and unders when the Wolves are home facing a team under 500. The under is five and one this season. So they've been a good home under squad there as well. So you would lean towards the first half as well. Um, just really quick. I've got this projected at uh, 19. So I, I've got value on the Wolves at 15 and a half here. That may, may sound extreme. Uh, Charlotte's really bad. And Charlotte doesn't have a center. 
like they have Nick Richards. They're going to get beaten up on the inside. They're going to really struggle to score. Uh, Charlotte's not good versus top 10 defenses. They've underperformed versus the spread in those kind of spots. The Wolves at home versus teams under 500 this season are 4-2 and two against the spread. The two losses came versus the Jazz and the Spurs. Now, those were both also predictably pretty big lines. That was uh, late November. So that one actually was kind of a weird one. Uh, it was 11 and a half on the Utah game. And they won by 11. So they missed it by the hook. Mm-hmm. And then the Spurs game, uh, they only won by eight versus a 12-point line. And that was obviously – and that's with a Spurs team that I honestly think with Victor Wamanyama is a little bit better uh, than Charlotte, like, by a degree. So, um, Joe, like, I understand that this is a lot of points to lay, but Minnesota beats the snot out of bad teams, and they're at home. And I think that they'll continue to beat the snot out of bad teams here. So I'll lay the 15 and a half. Yeah, I, I definitely am comfortable with it too. And it kind of goes into why I like Anthony Edwards to his points prop. Um, Ant has been even better at home, right? So he's averaging 27.8 points per game at home this season, exceeded the 26 and a half in 11 of 19 games. So 58% of his home games uh, this season. And when we look at the matchup against the Hornets, I think that Lamelo being there kind of helps a little bit in terms of pace. It kind of helps a little bit with some like a little bit of turnovers, honestly. Uh, maybe a couple extra fast break opportunities. So I do think that you know maybe the game stays competitive to a degree, so it's not like a complete blowout. Um, but I do think that Minnesota should really take care of business here. Uh, Charlotte has one of the worst defenses in the NBA. I, I think that this is just a spot where you know you have a little bit of uh, a little bit of competition, but I think between the two of those guys, between Lamelo and Anthony Edwards uh, being drafted in the same year. I think it's a game that Ant might want to get up for and, you know, kind of ball out against his draft, like draft mate or so to speak. And uh, I like him to go over the 26 and a half points in this home game uh, where I think Minnesota should really dominate from front to back. Okay. Um, I think that's like, this isn't a complicated cap necessarily, but it's, we're at the part of the season. I do think where there's kind of like an opportunity here. Now we'll say, after game 41, it does become kind of a good trend to fade better than 60% teams versus worse than 40% teams. There's like a, tr- a couple of trends that I found that that lean in that direction. Um, I have a lot more trends that favor the Wolves, but it's basically like, you know, fade these teams when the other team is better than it or fade or back the Wolves when the opponent is worse than them. And guess what? The Hornets are worse than them at just about everything. Um, I will say this after game 40, Okay, this is over the last, I believe, uh, five years is when I pulled this. Um, When after game 40, when you have a 70% winning percentage team versus 30% or lower, the 30% teams are 58 and 33 for 64% against the spread. So I'm fading that here specifically because I like the like, you could say like, well, look, this is a low. If you like the under, how are they going to get to enough points? I legitimately think the Wolves are going to just hold them down to an absurdly low number. Like they're just yeah. going to keep them uh, really way down. By the way, this is since 2012 or uh, 2013, 14. I'm sorry. 13, 14 is when this trend started. Um, those teams that are 30% win percentage or worse are 58, 33 and two for 64% ATS. By the way, in those games, Jim, uh, the under with a 30% win percentage team versus a 70% or better. The under is 50, 39, and 4 at a healthy 56.2%. Yeah, I was going to uh, say that the the Hornets team total might be kind of the combination of all of our plays there. And, and maybe if we zoom out for a second, I may, I may put a little play on that as well. That, that seems to line up with kind of all of what we're talking about here. Lastly, and this will play with my other pick as well, 
I wrote an article about this, um, and it's called the <laughs> because they were talking about in our Slack, the National Blowout Association. If it feels that there's been a lot more blowouts lately, it's because there has been. The rate of blowouts is, is up significantly this season versus prior seasons. You're just seeing a lot more. Now, that has creeped up the last couple of years in general, be, and for the reasons that you would expect, the offenses are better. Three-point rate is up. Three-point percentage is up. Like There's just a wider gap. But the other thing that we're seeing this year is it's even beyond that, especially in January. Right now, teams are just absolutely kicking the shit out of these teams. Um, so, hey, if you think that I, if you think that Charlotte is live here, you know, and I will say that those thirty percent win teams are only eighteen and seventy five, nineteen percent straight up. But if you <laughs> want to take, if you think Charlotte's live to cover here, maybe take them on alt spread because you can definitely juice that up. Um, but I, I like Minnesota in this spot. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great, too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Let's go to Joe. Let's do the Giannis over two and a half turnovers prop uh, versus the Detroit Pistons in what should be a raucous rematch of a thrilling game on Saturday in which the Bucks won. So I don't get to say, aha, I told you, because they just keep winning as they keep getting away with it. Why do you like Giannis over two and a half turnovers? I'm, I mean, the line is pretty juiced, right? So it's like minus 140 or so, depending on where, where you're looking right now at the time we're recording this. So I think this might wind up kind of being like a highly juiced number. But at the same time, he's hit this in 78% of games. Uh, so 31 of 40 games, he's had three or more turnovers. Um, he just had five against Detroit uh in the last game. Um, and the thing that honestly is that his usage is just so, so massive, right? That, you know, he can get these turnovers. It can be, it could be a charge. It could be a bad pass. It could be anything. And I think that the way that they've been kind of asking him to, facilitate a little bit more this season Um, because I was looking at his assists for this particular game but I figured I was like you know all it takes is a bad pass a charge and we can kind of get to this three anyway um, it's just the line is I think a full turnover low Um, so even though it's highly juiced. I still think that we have a pretty good edge here. I know that Detroit's defense is obviously poor um, and they're not a particularly good basketball team, obviously on the season. But I think that this is really more of a, like a fact that, you know, he could get a little bit too aggressive, uh, generate offensive fouls, generate turnovers on, you know, passes that he maybe isn't really supposed to be making. um, And we can get to three turnovers here, especially when we look at what he's averaging on the season, going over this in 78% of games, averaging 3.7 turnovers per game. I, I just really think this is a line. This is a full turnover too low, and I think that it's low because of the fact that it's a game against the Detroit Pistons, where 
where he really shouldn't turn the ball over. But I think that just by doing trying to do a little bit too much, we can get there at the two and a half. Yeah, and he's going to force the issue, I think, because it's a team that he can, like, you know, he'll want to dominate because they're not very good. I will say, like, they're big inside, right, which I actually think might yep. lead you to to get over here even more because of the size that they have. So I like this play quite a bit. Giannis over two and a half turnovers. I will, uh, I'll tell you on that. Uh, Jim, Paolo points under if Franz Wagner plays. Give me the cap. Yeah, so Franz uh, is is pretty key for Paolo's usage and points per one hundred. Um, that's that holds true for this season, uh, also for last season. It makes sense; they're you know kind of the two high usage players for the Magic. Um, the book sniffed it out a little bit, so Franz returned to the lineup tonight um, as the the Magic played the Heat. The books put twenty two and a half uh, for Paolo's line, which is a little lower than they had been putting in games past because he had been playing so well with uh, Franz out. Um, but I do, I still like this as an under the, the Cavs defense is up to second overall. Um, and that's on the strength of being the number one defense for the last two weeks, even though they've had no Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, you and I were talking about a little bit today has been playing some amazing defense. He unfortunately is not really going to get any love in the, the deploy awards conversation, but he is, he's playing outstanding and the, the Cavs as a whole, their defense is really locked in right now. So, um, Paolo did go under tonight. Um, he went under that number. And if, if Franz does play, which is, a, to, to me, it is a it is a big if. So definitely don't play this until you know for sure um, because he just came back and now they have a, a back-to-back. So if he is in there, I like this Paolo under. Um, but if not, I'm gonna I'm just going to be sitting aside and just, just rolling with the first half under there. Kind of a, a matchup thing here is that a lot of it is, it's, I, for me, it's less about the usage, honestly, with Franz. And it's more about... When Franz is on the floor, he acts as a primary or secondary creator. And when Franz is not on the floor, Paolo, like you've seen this, is like Paolo, especially versus tough defenses, Paolo is just basically like, I got to do all this by myself. Like that's what he did versus the Knicks was just like, I'm just going to have to do this over and over and over and over and over again. And he can do it because he's awesome. Um, but that to me, I think is like the, the sharp way to cap this, which is like, if Franz is there, Paolo doesn't have to do hero ball shit. Yeah. And therefore yeah. Uh, the under is a good play. I like that. I like that analysis a lot. 76ers minus 13 and a half. How about this one for a trend this season? The Sixers went at home versus a team under 500. 10 and 2 against the spread. Straight up and against the spread. 83% this season. Uh, find yourself someone in life who loves you. The way that Joel Embiid loves beating the shit out of shitty teams. Because, like, it is just great to see someone take their passion and put it into their work. <laughs> and like, no, you know, he, he will, he, he'll come out and he'll, he'll try and play in the playoffs. But like, this is like, this is where Joel Embiid is like, this is his canvas for him to paint is playing teams that are absolutely wretched. Uh, they're going to be, now, how many, out. how many did he score against the nuggets? I can't remember. <laughs> I don't recall. How many did, how many did he actually, how many did he have? 40, what it started with a four i remember that i think 42 maybe is it january already wow joel's amazing he's gonna win i can't wait for that january 27th matchup i if he doesn't play i'd be so angry what what makes what makes you think he's gonna play jim i know i know i know i think he will i think he will we'll see no let's be real you don't think he will you hope he will let's be real no that is a very that's a much better word choice i hope he will look he might come in there and beat them i actually think that matchup is really good for philly like if we get a Nuggets sixers finals i'm going to be honest with you right now that may be the one team that i would pick against that would bet against the nuggets is the sixers that may be the one team i think can beat them in the finals um they match up really well with them regardless look 
I can't, I can't really criticize Embiid here. Um, I can joke about it, but I'm very serious with this. If you want to build a great regular season record, the th- I talk about this constantly. The three types of games that you need to win: games versus division teams, games at home, and games versus teams under 500. This is two of those categories. This is how you make you get home court. Like I've seen a lot. The Wizards in the mid 2010s were the, were the the archetype of the other way, where everyone would be like. The Wizards got another great win versus the Heat, but then they would lose to some shitty team, and then they wind up with a seven seed, and they would never go anywhere. The Sixers are taking care of business, and they are taking care of business dominantly. Their average margin of victory in these games is 14.9. They win these games by 14.9 points. They are ATS. They are plus five in ATS margin versus teams under 500. I'm laying the wood. I think the Sixers are going to win this game like 120-100. So I'm going to take uh, the Sixers here minus 13 and a half. Um, And hey, if you want to lay the 15 and a half, I think you're good. I I think you can can escalate. I I might do an escalator on this one uh, because I really do think they're going to dominate him. You guys got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think actually one of the markets that I've kind of been experimenting with is there's a market out there that's for a team to score 100 plus in the first three quarters. And you can get like decent odds on some of these some of these teams, especially in I think what can be blowout potential games. Um, Part of why I like the market is I think that you can kind of get ahead of the blowout because teams like they will try to put the other team away going into the fourth quarter so that like, you know, and they're and you generally are going to see their regular rotations going through the first three quarters of the game. Uh, Games don't usually get super out of hand uh, that early where it's like at halftime, like a 50 or 60 point game. So I think the first three quarters is interesting and to score a hundred points, like you don't even necessarily have to be blowing the other team out. It could just be a high scoring game. But I think if you want to bet on offense, I think it's almost like a safer way to bet on a team's like alternate overs uh, as opposed to like the fourth quarter, like a full game alternate team total over because then you start running into like where you get deep into the bench if it really is a blowout. So it's definitely something that I might keep an eye out for um, in this game. I do think your cap is right though, Matt. Yeah. And I'm, I, it's funny. I, I was thinking the exact same thing slightly to the next, next to, I was going to ask, I, I haven't looked in this, Joe, you'd know this better than I do. <laughs> is, do they have props specifically for like Embiid points through three quarters? Because that, that smells to me of a thing that they would think is an extreme that's due for regression, but I actually think is, is pretty, there's, there's a lot of stability in what he is doing in those first three quarters against these terrible teams. Is that a market that is out there, Joe? I, w- I wish it was. I don't, I haven't seen it. I've seen, you know, some, I, normally you see first quarter stuff. Yeah. Um, exactly. There is some, there's some first half stuff. Uh, and I've seen like live things where you can bet into a market where it's like so-and-so will score X amount of points in like the fourth quarter. Um, but it's live. So it's like, it's very, it's very malleable. It's fluid. It's hard to, it's hard to cap in advance. And it kind of, a lot of it depends on what the score is like when you're watching it, you know, and it's like, what's happening, what's this rotation look like? Uh, but you know, I think that, the three quarter bet is interesting just because you can kind of get ahead of like a blowout essentially if you're like calculating it that way or if you think it's going to be a pretty high paced and high and fast paced game and like the Spurs play super fast so I do think it's a great opportunity for Philly to kind of get out to kind of kind of get out to a pretty hot start here through three quarters 
All right, so to wrap up our best bets for the Monday slate, we've got 76ers, minus 13 and a half. Wolves, minus 15 and a half. Those are mine. Gems on Charlotte, Minnesota, first half under. Paolo points under if Franz Wagner plays. Wait to make sure that he's going to play on the injury report. And I would actually – are you with me on this, Jim, that you should probably wait and just bet it before the game? Like, don't risk it yeah. in case – Yeah, yeah. 100%. Like, make sure that they, he's going to play. Uh, Joe's on Giannis over two and a half turnovers versus the Pistons, and Ant over 26 and a half points versus the Hornets. All right. Uh, we're going to do six man of the year right now because I want to get to this one earlier and could not do it. There has been, this has been a fascinating market to kind of, kind of watch. And the reason it's been fascinating is if we look at, what typically defines this, this is one of those awards and there's most improved is kind of in this category too, where the awards will go one of two ways. MVP is always going to, it's such an important award and the guys are so good at the top. It's like, it won't be decided by January one. It might be almost decided, but there'll still be like a, like, well, you know, six man and most improved can be settled in like the first month of the season. You can argue most improved might've been this, this year with Tyrese Maxey. We'll see how the rest of the season goes. Um, with six man, there was, but the other way, if it's not decided that first month of the season, there's no answer. And everybody's just like, I don't, I don't know. Like I, it's gotta be somebody, somebody's got to win the thing. And that's kind of where we're at with this award where it's like, there are candidates there. There's a market for it, but it's not a good market. It's not like a, in a market that you can feel like, oh yeah, I definitely have a handle on this. So currently about MGM King of sports books, Tim Hardaway jr. Continues to be the favorite at plus plus one seventy five. And I get it because Tim is like putting up points for a playoff team off the bench. I get it. I do. No one's talking about Tim Hardaway Jr. Like there's there's zero but like has have you guys heard anyone being like, you know, who's like the best six man in the league right now is like no one like no one's talking about the Mavs bench or about Tim Hardaway Jr. It's literally just like. Shooty Hoops man score points for playoff team. And that's why we get here. Uh, Malik Monk has moved to plus 310. Bogdan Bogdanovich was the favorite at one point. He's now to plus 650. And there's one other name. Um, but I will go ahead and ask this. I, w- I want to just check in on this. Are we all in agreement that Tim Hardaway Jr. is a weird choice here, given that there is like no juice for him whatsoever? Jim, you are nodding yes. Yeah. I, and ironically, this is the position that I would love. I, I hopped on Hardaway early in the season and it's it would be the best turnout for me if if he does win it. But I, I am really surprised that he is held on to such like a heavy favorite comparatively to some of uh, the other awards right now. And it, I, I think it's a very open conversation of which I don't even agree that he is necessarily the favorite right now. So uh, I think this is a great market to get into right now because the favorite I don't think should be the favorite and certainly not by the margin that he is. Yeah. All right. Um, so I got my guy and I'll go ahead and talk about him and then we can get to the rest of them. This is the one I feel bad about. Um, I should have put this one out into a column or I should have gotten him on some sort of, I should have talked about him on the pod. I should have thrown him in on one of them and just been like, Oh, Hey, by the way, you should bet this now it's Jordan Clarkson um, who was 12 to one, like two weeks ago. That's been cut in half. He is plus 500 now at that MGM. Um, I put a parlay on him at plus 650 still. I still think there's good value on him at plus 500. The Jazz, there's two things to kind of go along with this. The Jazz seem like a team that are going to at least compete for a play-in spot. Um, everything I hear is not like they're selling off pieces like last year. Like, it was pretty known, like, hey, they're not going to keep Beasley or Vando and Mike Conley. They're probably, like, that's a lot of money. They're probably going to move Mike and let him go somewhere where he can compete. That's not the case this year. 
Like Danny Ainge is probably looking for upgrades. That doesn't mean he'll get there. For me, it's more about, I don't even care if they make a trade. I am more focused on the fact of they don't want to get worse. They're not going to turn around like they did last. They're, they are unlikely to turn around and get worse than, as they did last season. They have a lot of momentum. They like how they're playing. Um, they are heading in the right direction. Will Hardy's obviously a really great coach. You could say like, hey, that trade might be with Jordan Clarkson. You're right. But the odds of Jordan Clarkson going somewhere and starting, in my opinion, are low. I think if Jordan Clarkson is traded somewhere like New York or Orlando or uh, Dallas, one of these teams, I think he still comes off the bench as a microwave scorer role. He's already yeah. won the award, which is a very big deal. We've talked about that before, about how big, how important it is to have already won it, because we have a lot of repeat winners in this category. So for me, Jordan Clarkson, still at plus 500, Jim, is the best value on the table. Am I worried about the Jazz getting to the playoffs? Yes. I still think it might be possible if they're just like in the play-in tournament, it might be enough to get this home. Yeah, so Clarkson is, I'm, I'm lumping him together with one other player who definitely has my attention, but I do want to see, I want to wait till the trade deadline. And I know that will hurt the number, but I really want to see for him and for Cam Thomas, um, who it's important to note, uh, I think we've talked about this in the past, but you do not need 65 games played for this award. Several of the awards you do, this is not one where you do. So Cam Thomas's injuries do not matter as much here. These are the number two and three scorers off the bench this season, but they have both started enough games that, you know, it. you said you don't see Utah going into cell mode. I, I trust your judgment on that far more than mine, but I do get nervous about the Nets and the Jazz in that, you know, if they get good offers, they may well offload guys and those guys – Cam Thomas and Jordan Clarkson could either be outgoing and like you said, likely still off the bench, but it might impact their numbers overall. If Clarkson went to a team where he's now the eighth man instead of the sixth man, that's going to hurt those points per game. So these are two guys I want to wait. You know, the the trade deadline is not that far away. I want to wait to see where those two guys are going before I play either of them, but they both very much have my attention in, in this award market for sure. Joe, who's your guy? Who's your bet? What do you like? I like uh, I like Clarkson, but I think the guy that I like with the number anyway is I'm looking at Karis Levert. He's twelve to one. Yeah. Um, he's averaging yeah. you know he's averaging like twelve ish points off the bench. I think that the big thing here for me is that um, you know like without you know we're see, we've seen him play without Garland. Uh, we're and like we've seen him play some games without Donovan Mitchell. But I think that at the end of the day, his role is pretty secure in playing off the bench. And I think that getting it at twelve to one now, while he might not be like the best best pure scorer out of all of these guys. Like I think Clarkson realistically probably is. Um, I think at the end of the day, the role that he has is very secure. So with guys that like other guys being on the market, whether they get traded, whether they get moved, maybe their roles change, whatever the circumstances, I'm pretty confident that Karis Levert is going to not only qualify for the award, but he's also going to be somebody that's constantly in contention here. The Cavs are continuing to just kind of stick around. The defense has been really good, uh, even without Mobley, and you know, they, and they've just been, the record's good. Um, so I think that Karis Levert is somebody that, you know, does get enough, well, he probably will get enough buzz, even though he's coming from Cleveland, uh, to kind of get looks at the award, and I think at having him at 12-1, to 1, the way we've seen this market kind of move around and bounce around all over the place, uh, I, I don't hate having a 12 to one ticket on Levert to kind of add to a portfolio of six men of the year candidates. I like that sixth men of the year. Uh, <laughs> my only thing is, so this kind of goes with the Jared Allen comment earlier from Jim, which is like, there's a problem. No one knows the Cleveland Cavaliers play basketball. 
Yeah, that's, like, that no is one, the problem. <laughs> like no one's aware. Like even Bill Simmons was was doing his power pole, and he was like, "You look up, and like the Cavs are what?" Like he's like, like no one, they're not on TV. No one talks about them. Mitchell's not dropping fifty. They're just like hanging in around for a, a home court advantage spot. Like they're probably going to be the four seed. Like just yeah, just kind of hanging, just kind of hanging out. And like so, there's no, there's no real like oomph there with what it is. I think like trying to evaluate one of the interesting things about this is like trying to evaluate the role of, of we've talked about this before, but the role of advanced metrics in this award is really fascinating because it used to be like, it did not matter. Like you could just be like a negative dude and it just didn't yeah. matter at all. And that's kind of changed in recent years where BPM is like a little bit better. Um, and so like there's, there's all these kind of guys that, that matter either BPM or EPM or any of the, the PMs you want per minute. And um, actually, by the way, the best offensive, um, box plus minus guy coming off the bench this season minimum 20 games less than 10 games started is kevin love he's actually the best one but guess what uh kevin love's averaging 9.8 points and that's not going to get it done yeah i think i think malik monk is like the guy that when i do the stats analysis he's the one that i look at and go like there's probably value on malik monk still um that like he might get there i just don't know that the kings are i honestly am worried about the kings as much as i am about not as much as about the jazz but I'm concerned about it. Like Jim with the jazz, I, I do want to follow up there real quick. One of the concerns is like, yeah, no, they're going to go for it as long as marketing doesn't get hurt. And then it's like, if marketing gets hurt, they're going to be like, da, 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 da. that's a wrap boys. Everybody take a seat and that'll be it. Um, I am very interested, Jim, to find out. I think Harris would love it's a, a it's a tasty CLV sandwich, Joe. I just yeah, don't think I, that it's, it's one of those. Like, I can't wait to just have this lose at like four to one. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. This podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get $158 in bonus bets when you bet $5. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. (laughs) <laughs> all right, Jim, it's time. You've been you've been very excited about your pick all day. Uh, what's your best bet for six man of the year right now? All right, so I will be clear. This is going to be a tasty CLV sandwich for sure because okay. he's missing oh, one. He, he's missing one big element in that he is not on a team that's going to be anywhere near the postseason. But ironically, the the move to the bench that Jordan Clarkson made was on December twenty third. There's another player who made a move to the bench on December twenty third that same day and has not shot up the six man of the year standings, despite having equaled his points per game since moving to the bench, it's Keldon Johnson. He is out there at 200 to one right now. And he is averaging basically the same off the bench as he was as a starter, which is a very strong stat line for six man of the year. He's averaging 17 points, five rebounds, three assists a game, and has seen basically no drop off in his production. <laughs> I can see Matt's, Matt's thoughts are already incoming. Fun. Fun. But, this is he. He is at no risk of being moved in into the starters role again. I think because th- it wasn't really done from a we're going to bench you because you're not playing well. It's more of a fit, and we want to have a specific starting lineup around Wemby. So, Keldon is a guy. I I don't think he is winning this award, but he moved to the bench and his production has been the exact same. He's the third leading scorer off the bench behind Cam Thomas and Jordan Clarkson for the season. So he should be in this conversation. 200 to one is a crazy number. It's just because he started the season as a starter and it has not been noticed that he went to the bench and has kept up his production. So 
this is one that you know you're gonna bet and then you're gonna you're gonna look quote unquote smart when the number drops uh it also probably is not gonna win but that does not mean i'm not gonna add a little bit to my portfolio you're sick man <laughs> jim, jim loves betting these guys on non-playoff teams for awards that are almost always going to guys on playoff teams. I was more than one in every 200 years that one happens, you know? (laughs) It's funny too, that you say that because I was looking at another guy that's 200 to one. If you guys want to, you know, for the listeners that want to hear our 200 to one nonsense. Let's do it. I, I think like I would rather bet on Jaime Hawkes at 200 to one, because I think if Jimmy's healthy, he's not going to start. They're redundant. Um, we've seen that he can put up numbers like if he does have to start and does have to fill in. Um, but I think that off the bench, he's like pretty valuable. The Heat are in the playoff picture. Uh, so yeah. that's one thing he's got over Keldon. Yeah. And I think, and, and, and like he's, he's a rookie. <laughs> so we've seen rookies don't traditionally win this award. They have won it. I think they've, there's been one rookie that's won it before. Ben Gordon. Um, ben Gordon. Yeah, there we go. So Ben Gordon's won it before, but, um, I do think that, you know, he's coming off, he's been out for a couple games. Uh, so, we're, but you know, I think at the end of the day, he's not running rookie of the year. This could be a way to, give him something like if there because there really isn't in my opinion like a great six man of the year candidate this year i think clarkson's probably the best one um so i think that a 201 dart on a guy who's gonna who's put up meaningful minutes for uh, what looks to be a playoff team in miami and can kind of play step up into the starter role he can score pretty well on his own 201 i don't i'd rather throw my i'd rather throw my dart or 201 <laughs> there no offense jim but uh he was someone that was looking to one dart. Yeah, exactly. See who, we should see who gets closer to the the bullseye at the end of the Lord. season. <laughs> um, so I looked at I sent this data to you guys uh, last week because I was looking at it. Um, the minimum number of of wins for a six man of the, of the year winner in the last twenty years is forty two. That's the minimum. Now I don't know if the Jazz the, are going to win games. The Spurs are tracking for what, like forty four right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go ahead and. Half that, and that's, that's, maybe in, divide by four. Yeah. In two seasons, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the last ten, it's still forty-two. There was a year that Lou Williams went on a forty-two win uh, Clippers team, and in the last five, the minimum is forty-eight. Uh, the average in the last twenty of wins is fifty-two and a half. So, like, this is what's. I do think this is actually kind of interesting, right? Is like, it's historically gone to really good teams. It's historically gone to like guys on really good teams. So. This does kind of bring an interesting question. If we, let's take that approach, not not that the Keldon Johnson bet isn't great because it is. Um, <laughs> who I guess well, let, I'll throw Jaime into this. Who's going to have more wins? The Mavericks, the Heat, the Cavaliers, the Kings. Ew, it's <laughs> disgusting. Yeah, let's, let's do those four: Mavs, Heat, Kings, Cavs. Who has the most wins of that group? I think the Cavs based on the fact that they're going to be getting guys back. Like they're 25 and 15 right now. They're getting yep. guys back. Um, I think the Cavs have the best chance to like have the most wins out of that group. And Levert's only started one game. Yeah. So he's locked into that role. Now I will say like if any team, like if a team calls and is like, hey, how's Karis doing? The Cavs are going to respond with like best shave of his life. Unbelievable. <laughs> have you seen his scoring splits? incredible great locker room dude you want this guy in your locker like they would be very they they want a wing upgrade this has been the thing about them for for weeks and weeks is like they want a three and d upgrade 
Yeah. Um, they paid all this money to Max Struess. They still want they want more shooting, and they're still trying to find that guy. That's like like apparently Sam Merrill is not the answer. So like, the, and Karras is the easiest one for them to move. So that's yeah. like a little bit of the danger with Karras is he might wind up going somewhere where they're like, fuck it, let's start him. Like he's our best guy. You know, like if the Spurs do that trade, (laughs) yeah, like the Spurs might legitimately like trade for Karis Levert and then start him. Like that would not that would not be like wholly unsurprising to me, yeah, um, or wholly surprising to me. So I do. You are selling me on Levert though, because if we look at if we if we judge it by that metric, if we go by in the past, these guys have won fifty games. The Cavs are probably much closer. The Heat are probably the next closest. The Kings are probably the next closest. Um. And then, I don't know, maybe, maybe the Mavs, maybe, maybe. But I have a hard time with the Mavs just from the perspective of, like, I guess there's a question. So right now, Tim Hardaway Jr. is at 18 points a game. And that's strong. Like, don't be wrong. 18 points a game. Um, Norman Powell's at 13. Is it impossible for Norman Powell to have a really sc- strong scoring month and get this up to, or rest of the season it would take, and get him up to, like, 15 and a half, 16 points? And is the difference between 18 and 16 going to be enough to take Tim Hardaway over Norman Powell for a very good Clippers team. I don't know. So like that, I think is, is part of the equation to do it. Um, so Jim, I, I do, I do want to ask you this though. Um, all jokes aside, do you feel like there is a possible, like, tell me the voter, the voter logic of I person that has been entrusted with a, with a ballot. I'm going to, to vote for Keldon Johnson. Tell me, tell me like what the logic is. I think it would not be a first place vote, but I think that this is not an award that is given the in-depth look that, uh, you know, MVP or even defensive player of the year, because there's all defensive teams. I think that a Mm -hmm. lot of times you'll get the the in-depth research into the top spot and maybe the trend holds there. And then down the ballot is not going to hold the the trend is not going to hold as much. It's going to be control sort points per game off the bench. And Kelton has a chance to be, if, if not the top guy in the top two or three right there. Okay. Yeah, it's a weird year just because like I looked at um minimum 20 games and less than 15 games started. And the drop off is significant. It goes from like Hardaway at 18, Bogey, Karras, Quickly, who's no longer coming off the bench, yeah. Malik, Matherin, who's interesting at, at 14 and a half oh. points per game for Indiana. You play, uh, yeah. Yeah, Hakez at 14, uh which is interesting. Kaminga at 13.6, but now we're into the 13s. And it's just like yeah, yeah. the average on this is 17 points per game historically. The minimum is 13.7. So, like, Kaminga is below that mark. All of the guys in the 13s are below that mark. Like, if we start weeding out based off of historical trends, we don't have anybody. Like, if we start weeding out based off of historical trends, we don't come up with anybody because Bogey and Clarkson aren't going to win enough games. It real like that's why Hardaway's probably the favorite is because like Hardaway's the only one that checks the boxes. So I don't know what to do what to do with that. I like my Clarkson bet, and I think I'm gonna add Levert. But I think that that's tough, Jim, to try and like evaluate um the fact that there's no like, oh, this fits what we've seen. Which maybe yeah, I really helps. do yeah, I really do think that's another reason that this market has stayed intriguing through, you know, mid to late January here is that there really is not a great fit for this right now as as we see it historically. Uh and that you do wonder if that means that the the door could be open for one of those factors, 
not hitting this year. Um, I, I still think it will be, it will skew in that direction, you know, but maybe that's more of a reason to like Clarkson. Like maybe this is the year that a four, it, it does drop from 42 to 40 instead of following every single neat little part of that box because there really just isn't a great fit for it this year. You know what's frustrating is like Nas Reed should be a slam dunk here. He should yeah. just be like a slam dunk. Uh, he's eighth in offensive BPM. He's averaging yeah. 13, 13 a game, five boards. He's awesome. He sh- he spreads the floor. Like this is what's always frustrating about this award, and this is why we I've referred to this as the guys that you bet because you think that they should win as the Brandon Anderson, Joe Ingles Memorial. Uh, a vote is like Brandon was just like Joe Ingles is going to win this award. Like he's the best player off the bench, and I was like, <laughs> you're right. He's not going to win. Because uh, yeah. shooty hoops, and that's well, like the thing is like you do need to score historically. Yeah, one player that I think I want to keep an eye out on because like I know like obviously we're talking about people getting traded, things that you know this is a pretty malleable market. Brogdon is has still has only played; he's only started eighteen of thirty two games. He seems like somebody that may get moved to a contender. I don't know if he starts for said contender. I think that given the fact that he's you know won the award, um, I think that he could be another really interesting kind of piece, especially if he goes and kind of runs a bench unit in you know on what could be like a major team that's making a playoff push. So it's it's hard to bet into the market when you think there are guys that maybe could get traded from bad teams to then good teams. And it's like, as long as they still are hitting the criteria, then all of a sudden it's like, Oh yeah, this guy is actually really impactful and good off the bench. The teams that want a backup point guard or the teams that want a point guard, most of them want a starter. Sixers might be the, like the alternative here, but they're not going to like take one of their major pieces and then trade them for Brogdon to come off the bench. Like that's not a big enough upgrade for them. The Lakers want to start him. Magic would start him. So, like, I think that the risk with Brogdon is, like, you definitely just wait till the deadline. Just yeah, there's no, just he's like, not even listed anywhere. So it's like, but he's just yeah. a name that I would like, keep an he'll eye pop, on. And he'll, he'll pop at a long number if he gets traded, yeah. even with the, the surge that happens after those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And I think you, you might be in a pretty good spot. But you're also, the other thing is, like, there's always the injury concern with him. So yeah. it's tough. Yeah. Uh, before we get out of here, Jim wanted to talk about the Northwest Division after the Oklahoma City Thunder got a monster win versus the Minnesota Timberwolves on Saturday night. Um, Thunder, I currently have projected to finish with the number one seed at 63 wins. That's what I have them on pace for, is I have them on pace to win the number one seed in the Western Conference with 63 wins. I know. it's. I feel the same way, Jim, where I'm just like, I keep looking at my numbers and being like, please calm down. Um, but God, they're good. Uh, talk to me about the Northwest division and how you want to bet it, Jim. Yeah. So it seems like the market was a little slow to react. So this more, as of this morning, you could get plus two sixty on the thunder to win the Northwest division. They now have one, two over three over both the wolves and the nuggets. And in both of those situations, yep. the fourth game is at home as well. So that's really key. They had the fourth easiest remaining uh, schedule uh, per tankathon. They're only one game back now, as is. I like they they have a better adjusted net rating than the Wolves, as is right now. And I I the way I want to play this, I also potentially want to even get in on the Nuggets a little bit at like a smaller amount. I I posted this on mm-hmm. Twitter at three three units. Mm-hmm. I want to get the Nuggets. They have a tough stretch of schedule coming up, so I want to get them right after they go through that and potentially have a couple more losses and the number could potentially be a little bit longer. So I think that there's a lot of room here because I'm looking to feed the wolves a little bit in, in the futures market. I think they're a great team, but I think they're the third best team 
of these three. And I think grabbing the number on the Thunder now and then the Nuggets in a week and a half or so um, is, is how I'm going to look to play this division rest of the season. The tough stretch was supposed to be with Boston, and then they beat them <laughs> in what was an awesome game on Friday. But they do have – they're uh, on the road on the East Coast through the through next weekend or this upcoming weekend when you hear this on Monday. And then uh, then they're home for the Bucks and then the Sixers game, um, presumably without Joel Embiid. So, yeah, you do have an opportunity to wait here and get a better number. The other thing I will tell you is um, – the Nuggets are very keen, like, will tell you very quickly how many back-to-backs they've had. They've had the most back-to-backs in the league so far this season. They have the fewest back-to-backs the rest of the way. The Minnesota Timberwolves have had the fewest back-to-backs so far this season. They have the most the rest of the way. So for those of us that got in on Wolves this summer, we have a great opportunity here to start messing with some things. I will say that I still like OKC better than than Denver, and Same. a lot of this is just like my numbers don't love. I have never loved Denver. They're they're going to continue to be like, eh, because Denver's bottom ten in both or body yeah, bottom ten in both transition offense and defense. So my model is always going to be like, kind of like, eh, like they're good, they're really good, but like, meh. Um, and the other thing is that Denver, I will I will tell you this is that Denver will absolutely gear down after All Star, like. They are pushing through this part of the schedule. They're going to put themselves in a position to lock up a top four seed, and then they're going to coast like they did last year. Yeah, They're not going to – if it's them and OKC, they won't race OKC to the end. OKC, I think, will do it because OKC has a lot to gain from going through that process of, like, how many games can we win this year? Like, that's a good growing step for a young team. And it's harmful because it's like it raises – oh, you're the one seed, but – they know that they're not expected to win a title this year. So they can just like, oh, this is what it takes to get to the one seed. Now we can learn how to manage that next year. I think OKC is much more likely to push through to the end. So just based off of schedule with those numbers, I think there's really good value at plus 240 on the Thunder, Joe. Yeah, I I think that you're both right on this, uh, especially given the fact that, uh, you know, Denver, I don't think necessarily, like you said, is going to care. I also think that, honestly, like if they had to play either the Wolves or the Thunder in the second round of the playoffs, they really wouldn't care. Um, Like, I think that as long as, like you said, that they're in the top four, that they'll be fine with that. Get home court in the first round of the playoffs, they'll be like, that's absolutely fine to them. I think that with Minnesota, as much as I've liked them, they definitely are kind of in that position now where you're like they've been healthy they haven't they haven't really missed really anybody they missed mcdaniels for a bit but it's definitely it's definitely a tougher scenario for them moving forward they have three games just in and of itself against denver head to head uh whereas oklahoma city only has one um so i do think that minnesota's schedule like the top of their schedule like the toughest games that they have like even though they have one of the easier schedules overall the tough games are tough you know like they got two against the bucks one against the thunder three against the nuggets three against the clippers uh, th- those are those are some tough games that are going to be very difficult for them, I think. So uh, I think having Oklahoma City here at that number is pretty good value there, Jim. All right, that's going to do it here for Buckets. Appreciate you guys tuning in, listening. We'll be back tomorrow with Best Bets for Tuesday. I'll have Jay Money, and I'm not sure who I'm going to have you next, but we'll have Jay Money and somebody else with me on Monday. Uh, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Give us those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. If you're listening to this, take a second. Just give us those five-star reviews. Helps us out so much. My thanks to Jim Turvey, Joe Delaire, the Future Jays. You can catch them on Twitter and in the Action Network app. My thanks to David Payne, our producer, as well as Hutton Jackson, the video crew, getting us up on YouTube.com slash the Action Network. We'll see you guys again next time. Till then, let's get buckets.
Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.